Are you ready to buy or sell your home? The Jim Allen Group is a nationally recognized and award-winning real estate team in the Triangle, dedicated to providing exceptional service to meet your needs. With the latest insights and expert market knowledge, they'll make your home buying and selling journey as smooth as possible. Don't wait. Head over to JimAllen.com and start your next move today. That's JimAllen.com. The Jim Allen Group, your partner in real estate. The red-hot Huberdeau tied the game with less than 30 seconds left in Dallas. Another two-point game for him. Now it's Duclair getting moving into the offensive zone in front. Huberdeau scores right off the get-go, just over a minute in. The Duke sets up Huberdeau, and it's 1-0. Panther gains Hages to gain the zone. Still in the corner there. Weir would hack at it. Carolina will keep it in. D'Angelo walks the blue line to Teravina. Teravina scores! Upper 90 for 86, and Carolina ties it on the power play. Verhage got it to him, but he could not put it home. Now Verhage speeds in with the puck. He's got a chance. He scores again! It's one and Shea, they'll hammer and score! Traffic out front, screening Bobrovsky. And the Canes off the draw, making a one-goal game. The puck will bounce to McKenzie Weger. He'll flip it to center ice. Cole, he'll settle it down and backhand this one back to the neutral zone. Now the Canes play it forward. Jarvis, he gets a step and scores! Seth Jarvis ties it up. It's three apiece in Carolina. Worth the cousin Lyon robs Duclair. Oh, what a glove saved by Lyon, but the puck's still free. Florida working it around up top for Ekblad. Now Barkoff. He'll send it across for Duclair. Becca up top. Ekblad shot, and that's absorbed, and Lyon hangs on. Faceoff coming up in the Canes all the way around for Tara Vinen. He'll get it to Trocek. Trocek's pass, though, intercepted by Huberto. Two on one coming for the Florida Panthers. Huberto, he comes in. Stop, sends it across. Lisa Ryan is robbed by Lyon. Last Fetchnikov saves the day, maybe the game. Shea, lead pass. Stolen away by Duclair. Duclair with the steal, breaks in the give to Huberto. Looking in front, Duclair. Let's go home, baby! The Duke ends it! This is the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. The Canes Corner Podcast is part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. I am Adam Gold. Thank you very much for spending some time with us. Hurricanes had their five-game winning streak come to an end. Still get a point out of it. Feel fortunate about that because I believe that the Florida Panthers were the better team. They outshot Carolina. They outattempted Carolina. They outfaced Carolina. Uh, they didn't outgive away Carolina, meaning they gave the puck away less. Hurricanes weren't. They were okay. Did get a power play goal, but the last three power plays weren't very good. Uh, penalty kills were good. Uh, penalty kills were way better than the power play, even though the power play did score a goal. Uh, but ultimately, the Florida Panthers come away uh, with another win. Uh, Panthers are 2-0 and against Carolina this year. Hurricanes lost in Florida and get an overtime loss here in Raleigh. They will play one more time. Remember, they had a game against Florida. It was supposed to be the first game after the break. They had that game wiped off the schedule. We'll see if uh, when they put that game back, remember it was right before, uh, or right after, it was supposed to be the first game after the break, that uh, was it, that Monday? But they uh, they canceled all Monday games uh, on the 27th, and that game has not been rescheduled yet. Uh, the Hurricanes have six games to reschedule. We don't know exactly where those are going to go. Uh, the team has been notified to an extent, but everything, excuse me, everything is tentative when you get right down to it. All right, Corey Lavaletta of the North State Journal is going to join us a little bit later on. Uh, Hurricanes, again, have their five-game winning streak come to an end. 
wasn't their best effort, not effort, but rarely is it an effort thing for Carolina. It wasn't their best performance uh, tonight. And frankly, uh, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, a lot of things happen in the game tonight. We'll get to all of it. First, a reminder, we're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it goes outside of your home, and for the case of this argument, windows, even though they're both inside and outside, same with doors, exterior home improvements. You want to make your home more energy efficient, more beautiful, roofing, siding, entry doors, storm doors, they've got them at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. Go check them out online for free, no obligation estimate at aluminumcompany.com. All right, let's get to uh, a couple of things. We'll start with the lineup tonight. Jordan Martinook doesn't draw in. Understandable. They just beat Calgary last night. Uh, Martinook is ready to play. Uh, he is going to play this upcoming week. I'll be stunned if Martinook does not draw in at Philadelphia on Tuesday. Absolutely floored, unless he gets hurt in practice on Monday. I'll be stunned if he doesn't play in Philly on Tuesday. And then you get to who has to come out of the lineup. I don't know uh, who that might be. I mean, there are candidates to come out. There's Somebody's got to come out. Martinook's going to come back in. Um, could be Kotkaniemi. Maybe. He's played very well of late, although maybe not so well tonight. It could be uh, Martin Natchez, who I think has struggled the last two, uh, you know, since the break ended in the four games. I don't think we've seen great Martin Natchez. We've seen a couple of good things, but for the most part, he's been a, a puck mismanagement problem, and he was tonight. Um, so maybe... Simple thing is to do what they did before, which was take Derek Stepan out of the lineup. Uh, but Stepan has been so good. I know the Hurricanes didn't win tonight, but they also didn't lose tonight in regulation. And the Hurricanes are 21 3 and 2 with Stepan in the lineup. So he does a lot of really good things. Now, if you take him out, you can install Coach Kenny as a fourth line center and roll four lines. Uh, and even use Jordan Stahl as a fourth-line center, and we're kind of trending towards that anyway, so maybe that's the way we're going to go, and if that's the way we're going to go, you might as well get to that sooner rather than later uh, and get everybody ready. If that's where we're going to be in the postseason, uh, it's not like Jordan Stahl is going to be a, a fourth-line center playing nine minutes. He's still going to play you know, 14 minutes. He's, he's going to eat up. Uh, shorthanded time, and they're going to roll four, and he's going to take extra face-offs anyway. So, um, you know, that if that's the way we're going, we, you could do that. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see who comes out of the lineup. But I think Martinook would have been useful in a game like this. And I'll explain why uh, in a second. The other, uh, the other guy that played tonight that might have been a surprise to a lot of people was the goaltender. Alex Lyon, who hadn't played in like three and a half weeks or whatever it was for uh, Chicago, because they had been uh, they had been down for a while. So Alex Lyon, who was called to the taxi squad and then surprisingly activated from the taxi squad for tonight, because it was a mystery to a lot of people who's not playing. Was it a COVID issue? And as it turned out, Auntie Ranta has an upper body issue. And Freddie Anderson was pretty taxed from last night's game against Calgary. So they decided, Alex Lyon, you're the guy. So not exactly a recipe for success. If you're the Hurricanes, you're down to your third goalie, a third goalie who hasn't played uh, in almost a month against one of the highest scoring teams in the entire sport. Florida had scored 29 goals in the last five games. They just lost in a shootout, or I think it's either overtime or a shootout, uh, in Dallas 6-5. to five. Uh, They scored six goals the game before against Calgary, five the game before that, nine the game before that against Tampa, although it was a shell of Tampa's team, uh, and four the game before that. So at least four goals now in six straight. They've scored 33 goals in their last six games. That's five and a half goals a game. And that's what Alex Lyon is staring at. And it didn't go well. 
uh, Jonathan Huberdo or Huberdo. What do you want to call him? Uh, Jonathan Huberdo, less than a minute in, makes it one nothing. The red hot Huberdo tied the game with less than thirty seconds left in Dallas. Another two point game for him. Now it's Duclair getting moving into the offensive zone in front. Huberdo scores right off the get go, just over a minute in. The Duke sets up Huberdo, and it's one nothing Panthers. Yeah, one of the things he talked to Rod Brindamore about bef- about Florida before the game was they're so good going from defense to offense. And I'm not even going to say it's defense to offense. They're just so good in transition when you make a mistake or when you don't get the puck in deep. And that's what Carolina didn't do a great job of tonight. There is a formula to making life very difficult for the Florida Panthers. And that is making them go the full 200 feet. Carolina did not do a good job of that tonight. So, uh, you know, they Trocheck gets in deep in the offensive zone on a forecheck. Uh, he overskates a puck. Uh, Florida comes quickly the other way. Uh, and Carolina had three guys back, but they were just skating back. Uh, there was a They were a little bit too passive. Anthony DeClaire holds up. Passes it across to Huberdo, uh, just I guess just to the left of Lyon. Uh, Pesci is a little bit too far away. His gap is not tight enough, and Huberdo uh, makes it one nothing. So that was one oh five in. Canes get a power play. That's all good. Uh, Sebastian Ajo with a great puck retrieval behind the net. He gets it out to Tony D'Angelo. And Carolina finds Tavo Teravainen. As the Canes Natchez will gain the zone. Flip one up and hold into it and back to Natchez. The puck is still in the corner there. Weir would hack at it. Carolina will keep it in. D'Angelo walks the blue line to Teravainen. Teravainen scores! Upper 90 for 86 and Carolina ties it on the power play. That was Teravainen's 10th goal of the season, and I think this was sort of an indication that Sergei Bobrovsky was not on top of his game either tonight. And, and I shouldn't even say either, because I think Alex Lyon was fine. But this was not vintage Sergei Bobrovsky, because I'm not sure that the puck went over the shoulder. It almost looked like it went in between the the uh, the glove arm and the body. That's the way it kind of looked to me. Maybe not. Maybe it did go off the shoulder or off the arm. Uh, but it uh, it certainly looked, maybe it went between the glove uh, and the arm. I don't know. Uh, but it almost looked like it went through Bobrovsky as opposed to over Bobrovsky. Uh, so the, both of those goals hap- happened in the first three and a half minutes of the game, so it's 1-1. Uh, and Carolina was really getting away with murder in the first period. Too many giveaways, too many opportunities for Florida. Somehow, uh, either through luck or Alex Lyon making some good saves or some good blocked shots. Uh, the game had stayed 1-1, but then Carter Verhage, uh comes up on a 2-on-1 uh, that might have been deflected by uh, Jacob Slavin, uh, which made it a little bit more difficult for Lyon to make the stop. It uh, looked like he got his glove on it, but it still got through. Uh, it, and it all started with Steven Lorenz missing the, uh, missing the goal high from a, uh, from relatively in tight. There's certain things that you have to do with Florida. Like sometimes a missed shot is the worst thing because if you miss the net, it, uh, it almost starts, you know, them in transition and that's what happened there. And then Derek Stepan, uh, took a spill just, uh, at center ice, uh, and that created the odd man chance. And then it was Carter Verhage. Uh, and his ninth goal of the season makes it 2-1. That's how the period ended. Then we start in the uh, second period, and remember, uh, the Panthers scored a minute five into the game when Huberdeau scored from DeClaire. Uh, Verhage didn't wait nearly that long to make it 3-1. Verhage got it to him, but he could not put it home. Verhage speeds in with the puck. He's got a chance. He scores again. Carter Verhage having himself a night. And he makes it 3-1 Florida. His second of the game. Stahl and Kokaniemi look like they got a little either confused or neither could corral the puck. Maybe they got in each other's way in the neutral zone. And it comes in three on two. Verhage beats Lyon. And I'm like, wait a second. We I thought we left that in the first period. And as it turned out, 
They didn't, but that's the way it goes. Uh, and then Brady Shea at 14-14 of the period. And I've said this before, the Carolina Hurricanes are the best team in the NHL at set pieces. Now face off to the right of Bobrovsky. It's one and Shea, they'll hammer and score! Traffic out front, screening Bobrovsky. And the Canes off the draw, making a one-goal game. Jordan Stahl wins an incredible faceoff. Now, very contested. Stahl goes to the ice. Uh, there's bodies everywhere. Stahl eventually, with like on all fours, essentially just kind of shovels it back. With it took a while to, to for this to happen. Shovels it back to Pesci, who got it across to Shea, who was just an absolute bomb. A, a great net front presence by Steven Lawrence in front. He was the only guy in front of Bobrovsky and uh, actually jumped to avoid the puck uh, and clearly uh, made it difficult for Bobrovsky to see a goal. Any goalie in the NHL is going to stop that shot if they can see it. But uh, Lawrence did a great job in front. It's one of the things that he is doing very well of late, and I think it's going to be hard to take Steven Lawrence out of the lineup when uh, Martinuk draws back in, and that I'm almost positive will be on Tuesday in Philadelphia. So now it's th- it's it's three two. Carolina's only uh, one shot away, and that shot came very early, one forty five into the third, and it was the young kid. The puck will bounce to Mackenzie Weger. He'll flip it to center ice. Cole, he'll settle it down and backhand this one back to the neutral zone. Now the Canes play it forward. Jarvis, he gets a step and scores! Seth Jarvis ties it up! It's three apiece in Carolina. So Ian Cole won a battle for the puck on the wall. I thought it was uh, good work by by Cole. He got the puck up to Ajo, who knew exactly where Seth Jarvis was. He turned, fired a uh, straight-line pass to Jarvis, who exploded through the defense and beat Bobrovsky. It looked uh, uh, glove-side, so it's sort of a short-side goal because he was on the right side of the ice. Uh, excellent goal. It was Jarvis's sixth of the season. Uh, and Carolina, at that point, looked like they had gotten control of the game. And then we started to see a couple of really screwy penalties, personally. Uh, Brett Pesci called for, I think they called it interference. I'm just going to double check that. Uh, Brett Pesci called for interference. I don't know how that's interference with the puck at Ryan Lomberg's feet. Don't know how it's interference at all. Uh, Pesci did get his arms up high, but if you're going to call the penalty there, I, I think you got to call a rough. I don't. E- I don't even get it. It's not interference to me. The puck was there, uh, so to me that's a bad call. Regardless, Carolina kills off the power play, um, and then uh, about what eight minutes later, Jordan Stahl goes off for. Like, they, they call it roughing. They initially called it a high stick. They called it roughing. I mean, it's an absolutely legit, legal, clean hit on Alexander Barkov. I didn't understand it. That That's, that's life, I guess. Um, Hurricanes killed off both those penalties. Uh, Frank, Frank Vetrano took an interference call against Jacob Slavin, which I will also say might have been, uh, been shaky. I don't know. I don't know what was a penalty and what wasn't tonight. Uh, there were tons of extra stuff uh, after whistles. Uh, there was holding the stick all day long tonight that they let go, and that's okay. I don't Look, I don't want to see a parade to the penalty box for either team. The longer the game is played at five-on-five, five, uh, the better off I think all good teams are. If you can eliminate uh, as much special teams out of the equation as possible, then the better team's probably going to win. I also like the flow of games when there's minimal penalties. So I'm not looking for penalties to be called. Uh, but it did look to me like they went out of their way to call penalties uh, in the end of the game, in the third period of the game. So I didn't like either of the calls on Carolina. And I think if you're Frank Vetrano, maybe uh, you don't like the call on Jacob Slavin. Uh, I also didn't understand uh, why Vetrano was... 
uh, barking at Alex Lyon. <laughs> uh, but there was a bunch of that tonight. And that, that was maybe maybe Lyon and his uh, maybe he's dropping uh, multi-syllable words uh, using his Yale education. Anyway, uh, and then we get to overtime. The game got to overtime, uh, and Carolina had a great chance early. Andrei Svechnikov comes in uh, on his backhand, brings it to the forehand. Uh, and then just couldn't get it through. Bobrovsky made a good save. Uh, and that was really the last good thing Carolina did in the overtime. Uh, there were unnecessary chances taken uh, with the puck. And then the most unnecessary chance was Brady Shea trying to pass it up the wall past Jonathan Huberdeau and Anthony DeClaire. But that pass wasn't there. Shea, lead pass. Stolen away by DeClaire. DeClaire with the steal breaks in the give to Huberdeau. Looking in front to Claire. Let's go home, baby! The Duke ends it! The feed from Huberdeau and the Panthers win it in overtime. 4-3. Well, what more do you have to say? Thanks to the Florida Panthers television network for that. Uh, all right, real couple of quick, very quick thoughts about this before we uh, hit a break and Corey Lavalette will join us. Um this we're, we've been building to this. Yes, there are uh, the lack of flow to the season has contributed to Carolina's really sloppy play. And it's the little, it's the precision that I think is missing from Carolina's game. Uh, because even when they did have, uh, you know, puck possession tonight, they weren't clean in their ability to finish and create scoring chances out of their possession. It reminded me, I'm trying to remember the game that they played. Um, I don't even know at this point. My, I think it was it was before the break, uh, but there were just little things that they weren't doing very well. Um, and they had trouble clearing the puck out of the zone today. They had trouble finding the puck. They had neutral zone puck management issues. Uh, really, uh, Spetch gave the puck away a bunch. Nature has been giving the puck away way too much. Uh, and I thought Natchez and Kokaniemi struggled uh, tonight as well. Uh, and maybe that's why they were kind of both slid down and played with Derek Stepan on the fourth line. Uh, although maybe uh, that the fourth line was created with Stahl playing with Nino and uh, Stephen Lawrence. I don't know. Lawrence has been playing well. But Carolina has been building to this. So I'll just, go, I'll just lay it out this way. Carolina got away with a not good game against Montreal because Montreal didn't have an NHL lineup. They won that game for nothing, but they weren't good. They played a very, they were wide open and sloppy, even though they had tons of scoring chances, wide open and sloppy in Columbus. Once they stopped being wide open and sloppy, they blew the Blue Jackets doors off but they were still wide open and sloppy and were down 4 nothing to a team that in all that. Then you get another five-day break. You come back and you play Calgary, and they were uh, booty in the first period yesterday and lucky as all hell not to be down 2 nothing. and instead it was 1-1, and then they were better the rest of the way. They were really good in the second period, better the rest of the way, and end up winning at 6-3. So, and I, I think part of that was if you looked at, uh, you know, natural stat trick, I mean, the expected goals was still an advantage for Calgary over Carolina. I think the reason they beat, they win that game is because Dan Vladar wasn't very good. Uh, and Freddie Anderson was. Again, how he wasn't one of the one of the three stars was a little bit of a miracle. He stopped 20 shots in the first period. It could have been a disaster in the game. Uh, but Carolina was 1-1. Then today, a lot of the same puck management issues, a lot of the same lack of precision kind of helps Florida. When you play Florida, you got to get pucks in deep. I mentioned I was going to tell you why Martinook would be very useful in a game like this because Jordan Martinook is not an east-west player. I think when you play Florida, you need north-south. I think you need to be straight line, crash the net, use physicality to get behind their defense, work from behind the goal out, because I think when you do that, Florida is incredibly talented offensively from the blue line. 
similar, uh, although much better, than Columbus or to Columbus, where Columbus is more of a mindset of offense from the blue line. Those are the players they've got. Florida, I mean, Ekblad's okay defensively. I'm not saying he's not good defensively, but he's an offensive player. Brandon Montour is an offensive player. Mackenzie Weger, more of an offensive player to me. And I think that if you can get behind their defense, you can do things. You can get work done. But Carolina really didn't spend a lot of time behind Florida's defense. Uh, and there was a little bit too much cutesy stuff. And I think the cutesy isn't going to work against a team that is looking to take your cutesy and shove it down your throat. And that's the way Florida was tonight. Florida is a team that wants to counterattack. And they're always going to be sending guys flying. And that's my, uh, that's my feeling as to why Jordan Martinuk would be effective in a game like this. You need a little bit more uh, grind in a game when you're playing the Florida Panthers, I think, to be effective and impact their game. I mean, Carolina could win, uh, to, can win a wide-open skating game, too. So I'm not saying that you can't. But Carolina is better equipped to play the other way, and I don't believe Florida is. Anyway, uh, let's take a uh, that that's just my feeling about uh, about that game. Real quick, now we're get, we're going back to the point where it's going to be very similar to a real NHL season. No kidding. Uh, so the Hurricanes' five game winning streak is over. Uh, they have still gotten points in six straight, and they are uh, five one. Uh, sorry, nine one and one in their last 11. So they will play at Philadelphia on Tuesday, home against Columbus on Thursday, Vancouver comes in Saturday, then the Hurricanes go to Boston on Tuesday, uh, and then come home against the Rangers for the first time this season, the Rangers on uh, Friday night, the 21st. That should be fun. So... uh, we have not played the Rangers yet. Hurricanes have not played the Penguins yet. They have played just once against Washington, once against Tampa, once against Toronto. Those are the uh, essentially the playoff teams. Boston is also a pl- in playoff position. I, I'm just going by point percentage. I'm not going by points in the standings because we have such a wide disparity of games played. Uh, but in terms of point percentages, uh, Boston, Toronto, Florida, Tampa, in the Atlantic, uh, Pittsburgh, Carolina, Washington, and uh, who did I just forget? Uh, the Rangers in the Metro. I think those are the eight best teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Carolina has not played them a lot. So it's going to be a lot of fun over the next few months. Corey Lavalette, North State Journal, is going to join us here on the Canes Corner Podcast, Morning After Edition. Uh, oh, let's big picture this first, and then we'll kind of whittle our way down uh, did the right team, did the correct team get two points tonight? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you know, when you have a, a good team waiting for you, uh, you know, after you played the night before and then you're going to your number three goalie who hasn't played in, in three weeks, I think to get away with a point, you're probably happy even if you're not happy with everything that happened. Yeah, I wasn't, I, I wasn't crazy about Carolina. I, I kind of think this has been, we've been building to this. Uh, didn't didn't manage the puck very well. Didn't play very well, I thought, against Montreal. Uh, first game after the long break, and Montreal just wasn't good enough uh, to make him pay. Columbus played a poor game, even though Carolina gave him a ton of transition chances. Once that stopped, Columbus went away. I uh, thought Calgary was partly good, but I think their goaltender was bad. Uh, I didn't think Dan Vladar was all that good last night. Uh, today, Carolina Carolina made mistakes against a team they can't make mistakes against. I mean, Florida's just too lethal the other way. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really hard to judge a whole lot of what's going on now with, with the stop-and-start nature of all this. And, you know, I think that that's all going to clearly sort itself out uh, in the last couple months of the season when, you know, they're probably going to be playing, you know, four times in six nights <laughs> right. a lot of times. So, uh yeah, you know, I I try not to put too much big picture weight in what's happened because, you know, between the COVID stuff and the, and just the league stoppages and and all that, uh, you know, it's it's really hard to get a to get a rhythm going uh, at all. It's hard for me to get a rhythm going, and I'm not even playing <laughs> <seeing> some. 
<laughs> do, do you find yourself, do you like you mess up your lead or do you uh, forget to put, to indent in a new paragraph? What are yeah, the problems I, for you? No, I, I mess up everything. That's my MO. <laughs> Corey Levelette, North State Journal, is with us here on the Canes Corner Podcast. Uh, what was the what was the best thing about tonight? Well, you know, I, I was a little worried about Seth Jarvis's game for a while, um, you know, and then kind of hit the COVID thing, and uh, you, you wonder, you know, that that rookie wall is going to come at some point, and you know, maybe the Hurricanes have dodged a bullet with that a little bit by kind of a, you know, unplanned break for him, and I thought, you know, his goal, I, I it doesn't look like much, I think, when you just watch it, but. Uh, and I, and I asked Rod about this after the game. And when you talk about player speed and, and, and things like that, uh, most of the time you're talking about acceleration. Yeah. Uh, and the, the way he exploded in two strides to create space to tie the game and essentially get Carolina a point was uh, an all-world skating, <laughs> skating yeah. play. I mean, I, I, was, I was really, really impressed by it. I thought, uh, you know, I thought he was uh, – you know, he was good all night. You know, he, he almost scored in the first on that weird little panorama backhand that, yeah. that Bobrovsky, um, you know, Bobrovsky. I didn't think Bobrovsky was that good, to be honest with you. And I think if, if this was the normal Hurricanes that, you know, shell teams with uh, 60 shot attempts that, yeah. you know, they probably score five tonight. But, you know, that just wasn't that wasn't there tonight. So Carolina kind of had to take what they could get and they still managed to score three times. Yeah, the uh, they had some some uh, bad angle chances that nearly leaked through. Svechnikov almost beat him uh, near post on a low shot. Uh, Jarvis did as well. Yeah, but they didn't really put a ton of pressure on Bobrovsky. The Shea goal uh, was a great screen in front by Stephen Lawrence. I mean, I think Lawrence might have even have a, had a skate or maybe both skates in the crease, but there was no contact. Bobrovsky was so deep in his net. Um, but I think Lawrence clearly bothered him, and Brady Shea can't stop scoring goals at this point. Maybe that's why Aho passed him the buck ahead. Uh, I think it was, uh, was it on the power play or maybe shorthanded? I think it might have been a shorthanded try. Uh, yeah, it was shorthanded, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was, what is Brady Shea doing, doing there short, shorthanded? But uh, I would have rather have seen Aho shoot the puck. Uh, but I, th- I, th- I thought even the... Uh, you know, the way they played the game, the the game-winning goal by Florida was sort of indicative of Carolina's kind of carelessness with the puck for the most part because that, that's just a, such a high-risk pass that Brady Shea is trying to make. Uh, you're, you're so much better off just hanging on to the puck and carrying it up until something really presents itself. I don't know what he was trying to do. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't love that play right from the second. It looked like he was going to try it. I... You know, there's, there's. It, it wasn't like he was Aho would even been totally in the clear. Maybe if, if it's a breakaway opportunity, you take a shot at it. But, um, you know, it was a, a low reward, high risk play, and it cost him. Um, but and you know, like I, I mentioned, Alex Lyon earlier, and uh, I, I didn't love two of the goals he gave up. But uh, given what what he had to. What he had to do tonight, you know, yeah. after not playing for, for three weeks, uh, you know, uh, especially once they got it to 3-2, it felt like his game rounded into form. And, you know, you're not asking your your uh, your third goalie to, to flat-out win games for you, but I thought, you know, for my money, he was the better goalie on the night, and that's all you can ask for, really. Yeah, I'm not even, like, I'm, I'm trying to think of, uh, I really can't fault him on the first goal, Huberto, uh, in pretty close, and you're talking about one of the better offensive players in the league. I think maybe Jacob Slavin might have even deflected the second shot, uh, the second goal that went through, the ver- the first of the two Verhage goals. Uh, maybe he should have had the third one. Uh, I don't know. Verhage, 35 seconds in. Uh, but, I mean, nothing he can do on the game winner. And he made a bunch of really good saves. I thought I thought Lyon made a, a bunch of really good saves. Uh, so, do we have any idea what Frank Vetrano was saying to Alex Lyon? Was he uh, I, was he asking him SAT questions because he went to Yale? What was that? I I don't know what that was all about, and I, I wish we had some. I guess we could have gotten some more insight, but Lyon didn't even turn around and look at him. So <laughs> maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't even hear. Um, 
but yeah, that was uh, yeah, this is this has quickly become a, a fiery uh, little kind of mini rivalry here. Both games have been very chippy. If you know uh, the, the game, the tenth game of the year was, was when Florida snapped the Hurricanes' mm-hmm. winning streak. You know that ended with some words with D'Angelo and a couple guys and the the rat shot into the stands and all that and all that right. stuff and uh, you know guys like Judas uh, always uh, you know always have a tendency to kind of get you know and, and Lomberg too Lomberg I mean uh, that's the kind of guy that nobody wants to play against but you probably want him on your team sure. he's a he's a super pest that can play a bit um, you know I thought. You know, this this little, you know, they're not going to play a ton of times like they did last year, but uh, it seems like the all the times they did play last year has kind of fostered this uh, this little rivalry. And these are two teams that could certainly meet deep in the playoffs, you know, given what they're both doing in the regular season. Yeah, Hurricanes took at least a point out of every game last year, 6-0-2 in the eight-game season series. Four of the games went to overtime, and uh, I think Florida probably looked back on that last year and – uh, and may have thought they were the better team. And I'm not even going to argue they might have been, uh, to be perfectly honest. They were really good last year, too. Um, and, yeah, yeah, there is some uh, some bad blood between the uh, between the two teams. Uh, what were your thoughts on the two third-period penalties? Uh, the Brady, uh, rather, the Brett Pesci interference, which, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know that that was interference. And the, the Jordan Stahl high stick. You know the um, the Pesci one is the way I'd like to see hockey games called. The problem is you got to call the whole game that way, and you know when there's a guy like Gudis out there who does that pretty much every shift, uh-huh. um, it's hard to call that on Pesci there. I, you know, like I said, I don't by the book. I think that's a that's a penalty, um, but I, I just. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't love it, but you know, for somebody who I would rather see the game, I'd rather see the game wide open as much as we can. Um, you know, that was a. Uh, you know, eh, I, I didn't love it. The um, the the stall one. I, I, did they actually call it roughing? They called it high stick. Um, did they? I thought that they they changed it to roughing. Um, well, to me, but, if 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 you were going to call it. If you're going to call anything there, it would be a rough only because Stahl had his hands up high. Um, so maybe you do it there. I didn't think the I, I thought the puck was still right there when Pesci uh, made uh, made contact. They called him for interference. Um, to me, uh, unless you're going to call roughing on Pesci, and maybe his hands were a little high too. Maybe you got uh, whoever it was in the neck area. Uh, if you're going to call roughing, I would get it. But interference, I mean, the puck was right there. I just didn't. I didn't get it. I mean, I personally didn't get either call, but because uh, there was so much holding of the stick and extra stuff, uh, how did Vitrano not get a second minor for what he was doing after the uh, after he was sent off? Yeah, there were a couple shifts where you know there was one shift where two Hurricane players basically got tackled, and I was just like, I guess we're not, you know, we're not calling anything else, and that's when the the kind of penalty box parade for the Hurricanes started, which felt like the dreaded game management. Right. Uh, thing. Uh, and, you know, the only way Carolina got kind of snapped out of it was with the puck over the glass penalty on, on uh, I think it was on Goodis. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't love games that are officiated that way. It just felt, uh, it almost felt like it was, you know, meant to make everything even. Right. I don't, I don't love that. Either call the game tight and don't let all the clutching and grabbing that was going on happen, or, um, and, and, you know, the, the ice wasn't great as it was. So right. it's like you're, you know, the, the fact that there were as many goals as they were surprised me because I, you know, you saw it on uh, Owen Tippett had that breakaway. The puck, it looked like uh, somebody rolled a bunch of marbles under the puck and put it on edge and shot it to the, to the boards. I was, you know, <laughs> that, that's what's going to happen when you play the night before and then NC State comes and plays basketball in the afternoon. We're talking with Corey Lavalette, North State Journal. Uh, I want to ask you about a couple of, you, you mentioned uh, Jarvis, who I think has really uh, kind of gotten his game back. And I like the fact that they put him with uh, Ajo and Teravine in the last half of the game. 
I think it's a matter of time. I know Trocek and Andre have a little bit of chemistry. I think it's a matter of time before we see Svechnikov go with Aho and Teravainen, um, especially if they can get somebody else going, and it leads me to this. Uh, do you know where Martin Natchez's game went? Yeah, he was not uh, was not great tonight, and I think that was reflected in the little line shuffling yeah. that happened, uh, you know, specifically on the power play. Um, you know, and that'll happen. Again, I mean, it's, to me, it's tough to judge anyone uh, in these games because there's just so, there's got to be so much rust. And, you know, uh, the fact that they beat Calgary last night when Calgary has, you know, had, you know, three games this past week, I was, I was expecting Calgary to come out and just be the, you know, the way, like the way it was at the start of that game and just kind of dominate the game and be the Christopher team. And then uh, the Hurricanes found a way. And it, it kind of looked like that at the start tonight, too, that Florida was going to be the Christopher team. Um, and I think they were, but it was it was a relatively evenly played game, I think. You know, just uh, not, not, the, not the greatest uh, exhibition of what these two teams are capable of, but and nonetheless, I think. But, uh, yeah, Martin Natchez is, uh, you know, he's still streaky. And, I, you know, it, it'll be – it's gonna. the thing that really is interesting to me is how is that contract negotiation going to go? Because, uh, you know, every all the tools are there. I, mean, I, don't think, yeah. I don't think we can – you know, he's the best skater on the team. He's got arguably the best one-timer on the team. Uh, he plays in all situations. I'm sure his agent isn't thrilled with the way they they split his contract a year and made right. him basically a, on a four year ELC. So they're going to expect, uh, you know, compensation in that for that yes. in this next deal. And you know, while Carolina is going to have room to to do what they need to do with a couple guys coming off the books, uh, that one, you know, the Aho one was contentious, I guess. But it wasn't, uh, you know, I don't think it ever got to a point where you seriously thought he was going to leave, even with the offer sheet. Um, but the Natus one is going to be, uh, ooh, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's going to come down to what he does in these, these last, you know, 50 games of the 49 games of the, of the regular season in the playoffs. And, and uh, you know, all the talent in the world. And I think he, he works hard. He, he does what Rod wants him to do as far as, uh, playing both ways, but um, you know it's still it's still hit or miss there, and that's to be expected, I guess. But it's easy to forget these guys are twenty one, twenty two. Yeah. You know, so many of these guys are are still babies. You know, they should be in college right now. It, uh, it well, we all should be in college, Corey. Uh, you know, it's interesting yeah, you know. you brought up the uh, the fact that his agent c- probably is not thrilled that this is really the fourth year of a three-year entry-level contract for Natchez, whose contract was able to be slid uh, as, a, uh, as a rookie, and then because he, he ended up going back to, uh, uh, to uh, that, then it was Charlotte. Um, I, right. I had a lot of extra time on my hands this summer coming back from uh, Charlotte and ACC Football Media Day. And I was just, and I had written a bunch of stuff about the Hurricanes and I'm on a tweet thread and whatnot, uh, and I got some pushback for because I said exactly that. I didn't say that the team did anything wrong. I simply said that the agent can't be happy, and maybe Martin either, financially, that he's playing the fourth year of an entry-level deal. That he should have yeah. already this year. I mean, again, nobody's saying it didn't, that the team didn't follow the rules. The team followed the rules, did what they, the, what they could do. They took advantage of the rules. So, um, yeah, be, the, the, so it... it it does make this very interesting. Uh, if um, if Montreal wanted Sebastian Ajo three years, three summers ago, they should have blown uh, Sebastian Ajo away. They should have made right. it painful for Carolina t- to keep him. They didn't make it painful. The only pain will come with the next contract, so we're about two years away from an extension, uh, that'll be the pain because Carolina should have three more years on this deal if they did it right the first time, but they didn't. So they're going to have to renegotiate with Ajo uh, be sh- sooner than they should have. But if if some team, let's just say Montreal, you want to get back at the Hurricanes for taking Jesperi Kotkaniemi away from you, then you go and you sign Martin Natchez to a deal the Hurricanes will not match. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, 
you know, I think that's certainly a thought that crosses everyone's head is, is this thing going to carry on? But uh, I guess it depends how much the ownership of the, of the Canadians is bent out of shape about this because the whole front office is right, gone. It's gone. Right. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's going to be decisions to make and, um, you know, I, I think a lot of those, I, I think they love the player. I think, you know, I don't know that the path is still there for him to be a center. Um, you know, I think he's a, a really good right wing and right wings are hard to come by. Uh-huh. Uh, and, all of a sudden, you also have Coach Kinyemi, who I, you know, I think is poised to uh, slide into that kind of second, third line center spot down the road as long yeah. as that deal gets straightened out. And then, I mean, I think they think Jarvis is the center down the road too. And more and more these days, you know, and it, the way you know, we, we I didn't touch on this when you asked about it, but uh, the the fearlessness that that kid has is what really impresses me most, maybe. Uh, because he's not scared to get hit, to right. mix it up, to, uh, and he's not a big guy, and he's by no means a veteran guy. Uh, a lot of those kids become a little shrinking violet when that starts to happen, uh, especially the smaller players. And uh, so that makes me think he's, you know, I know they like him, and the, they'd like him in the middle, and you can play in the middle, and you play in the middle, you get the puck on your stick a lot more, and we see what he does when he's got the puck on his stick. Um, so it's a, the natures all of that pieces together in an interesting way when it comes to the natures because you don't get paid as much as a winner right. as you do as a center. Uh, and with Jack Drury, I think is already I think an NHL center yes. now. If it, you yes. know, if you needed, you know, he's not the, he's not like Aho or uh, other guys we've seen in the past where you had to kind of build their game on the wing and then say, okay, let's see how this goes. But that kid is, you know. Uh, Rod Brindamore dream player as far as two-way play. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that, that blood of centers they have uh, makes the nature thing really interesting. And, um, you know, like I said, there's money coming off the books this offseason with, uh, with Trocek and Niederreiter, and you got decisions to make on those two guys. And everything we know about this front office says you don't give guys big contracts you know, that's going to carry them into their 30s. Right. Uh, so, you know, the Tony D'Angelo thing is out there too. You know, if you want to keep him, you're going to have to pay him more than a million dollars. I think probably. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So there's a whole, there's a whole lot. To, there's a lot of moving pieces there, but um, I don't know. Everyone kind of had their eyes wide when the Hurricanes did what they did last, this off season, this past off season, but, uh, it doesn't look like they made any wrong moves. Okay. No, no. The I think the front office basically hit on everything. All right. Final thing for you, Corey Lavalette. Then we'll let you go. Because um, so we're what two months away from the trade deadline, right? Is that what we're talking about? Two months away from the trade deadline. It's early March, something like that. Sometime in March for the trade deadline. Yeah, it's a, it's a little later this year. I don't remember the exact date, but because yeah, of the full Olympic be March. Right. It used to be March first, but it's you know. Uh, everything's all wonky now with, <laughs> right, <'cause laughs> with we, everything. Because <laughs> we're going to the end of April for the regular season. Uh, yeah. So if you had to say right now, obviously we don't know about uh, health. Uh, you know, if you lose a player at a certain position, your needs change. But right now, given, given uh, respectable health, what would you target for additions by the trade deadline if you were the front office? Oh boy. Um, you know, I think there could be another puck moving defenseman that, that could help. Um, you know, John Klingberg's name has been out there mm-hmm. and then today word came out that he's not he's so disrespected with how negotiations have gone with, with the stars. And, you know, it's one thing to not like what your team is saying, but you know, we know that the talks that the Hurricanes and Dougie had weren't going well, but we didn't really, you know, the fact that it wasn't done, we knew it, it wasn't going well. But, you know, we didn't hear a bunch of grumbling out in the public about right. it. And the fact that it's out there now makes you think uh, that's a guy that if Dallas feels like they're not going anywhere this, this season, then uh, that's a guy you could target, I suppose. And, you know, I, I still think there's a future for Ethan Bear here. But 
Uh, ever since the COVID thing, he hasn't looked like himself. And I think that's why we see that, you know, the plan was never to play Tony D'Angelo on the top pair. That right. wasn't, that wasn't the goal. This was not a <laughs> let's replace Dougie Hamilton with Tony D'Angelo plan. This was a, you know, let's get Ethan Bear to handle the, the, the grunt of that top pairing role and, and groom him. And, and then let's let Tony handle the, the power play aspect of it. Um, but Ethan hasn't, you know, his game has just not quite, uh, not quite been there since he, maybe he's mad that he didn't get the private flight back like everyone else did. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, you know, that to me that that's one spot is, you know, could you add a defenseman and, um, if, even if it's a depth guy, not, not a big flash like Klingberg, um, I don't know don't know how much they want to have to rely on Brendan Smith in a playoff game. Right. Um, a great locker room guy um, and serviceable in the role he's in, but, uh, you know, you get on the road in Tampa or Boston and all of a sudden they're throwing their top line out against your third pairing. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough one. Um, so I think either a depth defenseman or an upgrade on defense is a possibility and so much of it depends on uh, on Seth Jarvis, but I think you could still you could still look at uh, another another winger. I yep. think, um, you know, and I don't know that it has to be a scoring winger. And uh, if the baggage wasn't what it was, and Evander Kane type is not <laughs> the is not the worst thing in the world for the Hurricanes, but. I'm not endorsing that by any means, but if you can get a guy who's a for lack uh, just a just a pain to play against, um, you know, like you know Ryan Lomberg to me is you know, it, it, and you're seeing it a little bit from Lorenz as he's starting to become more physical, and I think that's where he's going to end up. Um, but is he there yet? Eh, maybe not consistently. Right. Um, you know, Jordan Martinuk does that, but can he stay healthy? Um, right. You know, Jesper Fox is a, a perfectly good player and uh, does does everything. He's he's almost like a Jordan, a miniature Jordan Stall on the wing with how smart he plays. Um, but he's not going to, you know, the fact that he scored some this year, that's not what they no, pay Jesper Fox to do. He's never been a um, scorer. He's 33 points is his career high. So there's a lot to consider there. I mean, I if, if Kokanyemi can continue to be good on the wing, and I didn't think he was, particularly noticeable tonight, but, um, you know, that could be an answer there too. Uh, if, if he's not, you know, the fourth line center or the third line center, if Jordan Stahl continues to have, have some struggles, but, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's so many moving parts and that's the one thing the hurricanes have done right is there's, it's not like they've built a roster with, uh, you know, here's a piece that it has to stay here. They've got guys that can move to the center, to the wing, yep. can move up the lines, can move down the lines, and all of that gives them options, uh, you know, without having to make a move. So, um, yeah, my gut says a defenseman is always good. Another defenseman is always good. Um, and then, you know, it, and they tried it last year with Paquette and it didn't work out, but that kind of, you know, sandpaper, you know, like, like what Tampa did with, with Blake Coleman and, yeah. and, uh, and Barclay Goudreau, that kind of sandpaper guy. Um, you know, I don't know who that is off the top of my head right now. Like I said, I, the Evander Kane thing pops into my head just because he's in the news right now. Yeah, right. I, I think you and I even talked about it, uh, recently, uh, cause we played the Kings twice. I, the, a Brendan Lemieux type player, we could say him or not, but somebody like that, somebody, he doesn't have to provide a lot of offense, but he's annoying to play against and he might create offense for somebody else simply by being a pain in the ass. Uh, so somebody like that is a player that I think the Hurricanes could add, but as you pointed, Jordan Martin could be that guy. Um, if he could right. stay healthy, but he has not stayed healthy. I wonder if there's a little buyer's remorse on Martin Nook's contract. Yeah, I mean, I think he took a pay cut and he got three years and they love everything he's about. Right. In the, you know, he, he feels like he's the type of guy that when he's done playing, he could hang around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, he he kind of fits the fabric of what Rod Brindamore has built here. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, the three years surprised me just because of the, the, you know, the treads already started to show on the tires a bit, but, um, but you know, he's a certainly the quote unquote glue guy that, uh, that every team wants. So, you know, maybe they could, maybe they could add, you know, they tried to do it with Hockenthal last year. Maybe they could add Snarl on, on defense, um, instead of getting a, uh, you know, somebody like Klingberg or, or a depth guy or something like that. But, you know, Josh Manson was kicked around last year. Yep. He's certainly a, a guy like that. And if Anaheim falls out of the race, he's going to be a, he's on the last year of his deal. And that's a, uh, you know, a guy that I think would be uh, intriguing if they, if they feel like they need to add a little bit of that. But to me, it's always those forwards that, you know, when Corey Perry was available the last few years, I said, well, that's a guy that any team could use. Sure. Even if he's not, even if he's not scoring, just because I'll never forget him taking the stick out of Alex Simmons' hands while Simmons was sitting on the boards waiting for a line change. Just <laughs> those those little things that drive your opponents crazy. Yep. You know, and then you know the guy can still you know you still put the puck in the net. Maybe Jordan Stahl can tease Eric for like the next two months, and then Eric can show up angry and he can be that guy. Eric is uh, Eric is skating, by the way. He, yeah, that's what uh, that's what Jordan told us the other day was that he's skating and he's hoping to play for Canada and uh, yeah. still has the the quote itch to play. I don't uh, I don't know that there's a fit here for that, um, but it would be a great story, wouldn't it? It would it would be amazing. I actually uh, I ran into a very good friend of Eric's uh, on Thursday. Had a probably about an hour conversation with a fellow uh, 2011 All Star. And uh, he said, the, 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 "What people are afraid of is making him their fourth line center." Um, but he's the guy who could play the wing. He played the wing a lot in Montreal. Played the wing some when he first got to Minnesota. Uh, there's nothing to say that he couldn't play the left side uh, either with his brother or with Kotkaniemi or somebody like that. And uh, he can certainly still score. And he's a big body and. Uh, he can play physical. I mean, I, I wouldn't be against it, but I was told that he is keeping himself ready and he is interested in playing for Canada. Although I don't think, I don't believe he believes he's going to. Well, I think if, uh, if they were smart, they'd give him a call. I think I can't think of anyone better to, to captain a team of, you know, of, uh, guys who, who will probably be either, you know, out of out of the NHL stratosphere or maybe young guys, you know, Owen Power is supposedly already planning to go and, and play for Canada. <laughs> Just um, send the University of Michigan over there. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, why not? Just barnstorm it. <laughs> All right, Corey, I'll let you go. I think I appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. Follow him on Twitter at Corey Love, North State Journal. Uh, read his stuff online, and I appreciate it. We'll talk soon, man. Thanks, buddy. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, we thank Corey Lavalette for uh, subbing for Alec Campbell. Kane's Corner Podcast is brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. Windows, doors, gutter helmets, roofing, siding, they got everything. Go online for a free no-obligation estimate at aluminumcompany.com. You can follow the Kane's Corner Podcast Shows up automatically wherever you get your podcast. All you got to do is find it, click follow, or subscribe, depending on what uh, service you're using, and boom, there it is. And then feel free. You can rate us, tell us what you like, tell us what uh, what you'd like to see more of or less of, and uh, it's just that easy. Uh, and I thank you very much for spending some time with us. Uh, tough loss for Carolina, but at least they got a point because, in my opinion, didn't really deserve it. Uh, in, in the in the sense that they weren't the better team. Uh, and when you're not the better team and you can still extract the point from it, be happy, move on. Uh, again, thanks to Corey Lavalette. Thanks to you. And uh, we'll see you later. This has been the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. You can listen to this podcast at WRALsportsfan.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you unhappy with your CPAP provider? 
Did you know you can easily switch providers right now? I'm Megan Giggling, General Manager of Parkway Sleep Health Centers. We are North Carolina's number one source for CPAP machines and supplies. Contact us today. We ship anywhere in North Carolina. If you're in need of a CPAP machine, supplies, a knowledgeable doctor, or a sleep study, Parkway has you covered. For information or to schedule an appointment, visit parkwaysleep.com. Sound sleep, sound health. 